I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 52 of Internet Marketing, the show where we help you to use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Brought to you by AI Digital at ai-digital.com. In today's show we talk about Google AdSense, publishing and freemium models, SEO tools and Helen Trendle interviews Neil Crofts about how to be authentic online with your brand. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 52 of Internet Marketing, the show where we help you um, sort of put the internet into your marketing strategy. And today we have on the line, Calvin Newman and the prodigal son, Daniel Rouse. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) They're they're all back. Dan, haven't seen you for a while, but we're going to be hearing a bit more from you again, aren't we? Yeah, I'm going to be back in the podcast on a regular basis, so I'm uh, looking forward to getting back into it. Yeah, Dan yeah. dulcet tones again. I know. I was going to say yeah, he's got a very smooth sort of a DJ type voice, hasn't he? I think he's been practicing while he was away. <laughs> he's just had twenty fags before he came on this morning to get it, get it go. <laughs> and a quick puff of his pipe. <laughs> right. Okay. Quite a quite a packed um, show today or this month. We've got um, a, quite a long interview that Helen did with a chap called uh, Neil. It's Neil Croft, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's um, kind of, I suppose, the interview is around branding and social media, but what, mm. what Neil Croft's area of expertise, and he's written a few books about it, it's got a pretty extensive blog, is about authenticity in your branding. So kind of until you're authentic in what you're doing, it's very difficult to create a branding message. And yeah, um, yeah. Helen talks to him about some of, the, some of the topics around that and how social media fits into it. So yeah, quite an interesting insight okay. from someone who's got quite an offline perspective, but we'll, we'll it drill fits into in that. quite well with social media. Yeah. Okay. Now, just before we get onto that, a uh, little bit of news. Dan, Dan, you've got some news. It was, it's been an interesting month, actually, what with Twitter going down and all that. And we'll talk about, I think uh, Kelvin's got a stat about that Twitter downage or outage. But Dan, what, you, you've got a bit of news about uh, Google AdSense, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, just to remind people, Google AdSense is the Google system that allows you to place adverts onto your website and to drive some revenue from your website. Um, it's one of those things that lots of people try first of all and then realize that they're not really getting enough traffic to use it. So you do need quite a bit of traffic to make it work. But they've done something quite interesting and they brought out this thing, this new section to AdSense um, called the Ad Review Center. Mm. And essentially what they're doing is they're letting other ad networks place adverts through Google AdSense. Now, I saw an email uh, recently about this, yeah, but um, yeah, tell us a bit more about that, Dan. Well, I've kind of dug into it a little bit, and and essentially 
what now happens is that you can take Google adverts, the text adverts as you used to, or, you know, graphical adverts as well, mm. and they're placed in your website. And basically, depending on how many people are clicking on them, you generate some revenue from that. But what now happens is that you can opt in to this ad review center. Um, and in order to opt in, which I played around with this for a while, and it was, it's not very uh, obvious when you first get in there, you have to go into your AdSense setup tab, um, and there's something called the competitor ad filter mm. page. Um, so it's all quite obscure when you're in there. And essentially what you do, you turn that on, and it starts to let these competitive ads come in. And what the ads actually do is they compete with the Google ads. And whoever's giving you the best click-through will essentially uh, get, get placed. So Google's allowing them to compete with their own adverts. Now, I've spoken to a few people about this, and what they're saying is that Google's actually making as much, if not more, revenue from the placed adverts as they are making from their own advert so wow. google's done it quite sensibly from their own point of view that's interesting yeah and, and it and what increases their inventory doesn't it i suppose so they've got more ads out there then for people who might yeah. not want to go via adsense or for for whatever reason haven't used adsense so yeah and no, i think that can you know should make a lot of sense really for google and for advertisers because the more inventory you've got as a publisher that's better surely i would have thought yeah i think that that's the, one of the key issues one of the key complaints with adsense was the fact that there weren't enough. There were lots of text adverts, but there weren't an awful lot of graphical adverts within the system. And people, the uptake of people doing graphical adverts and banner ads and so on with AdSense, it just really wasn't happening. So by combining it with some other networks, they've now got an awful lot more visual ads. So if you've had a look at it before, go and have a look again. The one thing that I thought was quite funny, it basically says there's a, a, an FAQ of the whole thing. And it says, how will the ad revenue center impact my revenue? And it said, opting in alone won't impact your revenue. But the choices you make about blocking adverts and if you don't use it will negatively affect your revenue. So they're trying to uh, scaremonger a little people, it looks like to me, into using it and saying that if you don't use it, you're going to lose money. So you have to really use it. Um, so it's uh, one of those things that's causing a little bit of controversy again, but it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Um, I've set up a bit of a test. So what I'll do in the next podcast is just report in and see how it compares using normal Google ads to these new placed adverts as well. Um, so contextually targeted ads is what you would normally do with Google. So the ads match the content of your page. Now, that's fine. Uh, and you'd expect the Google ads to come through. And all Google ads obviously adhere to certain quality principles that they lay down. Now, with contextually placed ads, you obviously can't check them before they're placed because they're contextually placed. So they have to rely on the content of the page. Mm. So the one risk with this is that you're going to get ads on your page that you're going to have to monitor pretty closely because they're coming up through from other networks. Yeah. And you're not going to be sure what you're getting. So Google have said, obviously, they've got quality controls in place and you have to be an approved network and so on. But I think there's going to be a few, uh, a few horror stories potentially going on seeing what ads are actually placed. And we'll see how that pans out as well. Now, I didn't realise that uh, Google AdSense could have, um, did you say graphic adverts as well? Yeah, banner text. adverts. And now they're doing video, you get video ads. ads as well. Yeah, yeah. video as well. This, this is new. I mean, I'm, I'm sounding very thick here, but I haven't actually played with AdSense for quite a while. I think I've got it on one blog. Um, and it, in, in the olden days, um, it was just like text. Is this a, a yeah. new thing, this, this video and uh, graphics? It, it's been in there for a while, but it just wasn't the uptake because there weren't many people using it. So there weren't many uh, decent ads. So okay. if you did put it up, you generally end up with an ad that was pretty irrelevant to your content yeah sure yeah. It's, uh, it's great if you want run a blog about weight loss or dating or that kind of thing but there's not really yeah the the, the the variety because what 
the reason AdSense does so well is because most people who are advertising on Google search don't realize they've opted into the content network. So that's why it's, you know, which is kind of a little bit clever by Google, but it's pretty good for the publishers as well. So it means if someone's put a random keyword in there and you've got that random keyword on your blog, it's going to trigger the ad. Whereas the image ones, because that's a bit more of a proactive thing, less people were doing it. So I think it makes sense for, for Google to bring in people who've already got lots of image ads on you know in their network as it were just yeah. to kind of help get more reach on that really yeah and it'll also be interesting to see how the major ad networks react to this as well because um they're, they're gradually growing the amount of people that are involved and i'll be interested to see if the major ad networks are going to get involved particularly as well because obviously they'll be losing some percentage of their revenue that they have to pay google a, a, a percentage of but if they're selling a lot more ads it doesn't matter so we'll, we'll see how it all evolves Daniel, got some thoughts on freemium models as well, haven't you? Well, yeah, just publishing generally. I mean, we've, as the internet's evolved, we've all expected content for free. I mean, um, I wonder how many listeners we'd had if we started charging for the blog, how many people would still have left. And uh, the whole publishing industry has, has kind of had this problem that people have come to expect to have good quality content for free. And there's masses of fantastic quality out there. Um, but if you look at some of the big publishers, they've started to withdraw from the model. So things like the Financial Times have started charging for full access. You can mm. have limited access to, to the website, but if you want full access, that's going to stop. Um, a lot of the news international websites, the Rupert Murdoch sites, uh, have basically said, we're going to start charging for content because we can't afford just to give it away for free. Mm. Because it does cost money to produce the content. And the, and the idea was always, okay, well, you sell advertising on the back of things, and that pays for it. But I think a lot of people are really struggling with that model. So... Something that quite a few clever bloggers have been doing for a long time already, which is what seems to be the, the, the publishing industry generally seems to be catching up with, is this idea of the freemium model. Um, and for people that haven't come across it, the freemium model is that you have lots of good quality free content, and then you have a paid section of content that is actually how the revenue is driven. Now, there might be advertising in there as well, but essentially you've got a premium content area. So the free content acts to drive the traffic in, it acts to drive the, uh, the search engines in, and then your premium content area is where you make your, your revenue as well. Now, one of the big barriers to this was that, okay, if you're a small blogger or a publisher and you want to go through this whole process, how do you actually put in the e-commerce facilities and all those kind of things to, to pay for your content? How do you make sure that Google is still getting to your content even though you've made it premium? Um, how do you give people different access? Why would people be a member for a long period of time? How much content do you need to add for people to continue to be members? So it was quite a thorny subject for somebody that was just running a blog. It all became quite technical. Yeah, sure. So I've dug into it a little bit and just looked at, okay, if you're a standard blogger, you're probably using something like WordPress. I'm a massive fan of WordPress. Um, it just goes from strength to strength. So uh, if you're not familiar with WordPress, go to wordpress.com or wordpress.org. Have a look. But essentially, great blogging platform, uh, open source, so masses of features, can work as a content management system for a website generally, which we've spoken about before. But the key thing is you can put plugins really easily into WordPress. And the plugins allow you to add all kinds of functionality to plug, plug podcasts into all kinds of things. I was looking at the possibility of how can you use WordPress um, in an e-commerce way so you can actually take payment through your blog and, and how all that work. And I came across three or four different plugins for podcasting and for particularly for WordPress that allow you 
to go for the, the freemium model. So you can have a section of your website that's paid for. Um, and one that I came across and I've started playing around with and is absolutely fantastic, I can't get over how well it actually works and how easy it is to use, is something called MemberWing. 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 Member okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. So this is just a plugin that goes in. And what it allows you to do is set up areas of your podcast that only premium members can get into. So you plug it in, you install it in the normal way, you upload it to the directory, you activate it within the WordPress interface. And then what you do is when you're writing content, you put markers in the content. And you basically got bronze, silver, and gold, and platinum um, markers. And all these are is plus signs. So essentially what will happen is halfway through your blog post, you can put a plus sign in. And what will happen is if somebody isn't a member, if they're not subscribing they'll get a little message saying the content from here on in is only available to premium members. And is all so, that managed through the WordPress user? Um, and, you know, so you've got the users so you can have subscribers because I know like on our um, site, VizBlog, we've got area and we just redesigned the site and one of the things we've done is we've kind of got anyone who wants to download a white paper, all they need to do is create a, a WordPress login as a subscriber and they get access to everything. Is that working on a similar kind of model or is it a kind of separate system there, Danny? I'm interested yeah. now, now actually. Yeah, it, it actually, it becomes part of that system so your registered oh, users have different levels of membership and you have these four different levels of membership and you, if you put one plus in it's a bronze membership if you put four pluses in it's a premium membership like a platinum membership um, and it can basically allow them or not allow them to have content to those different areas so it makes it a very simple solution for doing that but the great thing is it's all integrated with PayPal so it automatically gives you the code to paste into PayPal so you can set up subscription models so you can very easily say, okay, I want people to pay five, ten pounds a month to subscribe to my website. And they go in, they click on the link, they go through to PayPal, chuck in their details. If they then stop subscribing through PayPal, so if they take out their credit card details, it just blocks their access to that area of the website. So it takes the whole e-commerce thing and makes it extremely easy. Um, the other interesting thing, though, it does this first click free functionality, which is something that Google yeah. has set up. And what First Click Free was all about was this problem that a lot of publishers had is that they've got all this premium content behind a membership login. So Google never gets to see the content. Um, and the, the, the way the model works is that the first visit of a user from a search engine, so if they come through from Google, on their first visit, they can see an article. If they then come through again, it's blocked. So what that means is that Google can actually come in and read the content of the website. A user can come in and see one article but that's all they're going to see. So it gives them a bit of a taster, but it, um, it stops them from reading all the content. And what's, what's that called again, Dan? Sorry? It's called Member Wing. Member Wing, okay. Yeah. And while I remember on that one as well, Daniel, there's another one I've come across that's not for WordPress, and I'm not, I've not looked at it too extensively, but it's kind of a, a bit of a project that you know, mm-hmm. I've been working on. And it's a similar kind of concept, but um, it's a company called StubHub. And um, basically, they have a CMS that's built for subscription websites. So I'm not too sure how friendly it is from a search in perspective. And I, you know, by no way I'm necessarily endorsing them because I've got I've got no idea if it's any good or not. But in terms of discovering something that's a, an sure. alternative to that member wing one, um, Subhub are worth looking at as well. I think um, they're they're because you know. They're going to be different in terms of because it's not plugged into WordPress and you've got then all the great functionality you've got in WordPress. But actually, sometimes you kind of want something that's – the problem with WordPress is it's not supported in the same way, is it, as if it were a kind of commercial one. No, so I suppose that's worth, worth looking at as well if people are thinking about setting up some subscription sites. Yeah, it's subhub.com, I presume. But if you just search for subhub, they'll come up. This, this member wing sounds absolutely fantastic. 
It's great. And it sounds like Number Wang as well from um, the Mitchell and Webler, which makes me like it even more. So. <laughs> but this Subhub, is that a separate, is that like a website that you go to? Yeah, um, yeah Subhub's, they're kind of a company and they're, they're, the business of their company is setting up um, subscription um, websites and they've kind of got a CMS. So they've kind of gone a bit down the freemium kind of, um, I think they probably started out as a web design agency who specialised in that, whereas what they're doing now, though, is a kind of, well, you pay us X amount a month and you get a membership site which you can edit as much as you want or we can do some work on it for you and charge you a bit more for it. So I think that's how they work. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's slightly different, but, you know, well worth investigating both of those, I would have thought, sure. if you looked down that. We can talk yeah. about sub yeah, yeah. in a later show, I think, definitely. Dan, I sense there, were, there, there, there was more you wanted to talk about. Well, there's this, there's this one more thing. One of the big problems with these, these models is that generally people subscribe to a website and they suddenly get access to all the content. They'll go in, they'll read all the stuff they want, and they go, well, there's no point in me being a member anymore because I've read all the stuff and there's only a limited amount of content that I can get at. So they unsubscribe at that point. Mm. Now, in order to keep users interested, you need to give them more over a period of time. And MemberWing's got an also additional thing called gradual content that you can mark all the different bits of your content and you can basically say, if you've been a member for one month or two months or three months and so on or one week, whatever it may be, you then get access to this content. So you essentially entice people to stay for longer and be members for longer by giving them access to more and more content on an automated basis. Um, and you don't just have to keep adding new content all the time. It can be content that's written in the past that's gradually released to those users. Okay. So it's, 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 a, it's a good way of doing things, and it just plugs in so nicely and easily. I tell you, I this is a brilliant, brilliant thing they've come up with. It's one of those ideas. It's like, I wish I'd come up with that. But no, they're, yeah. they're doing some really great stuff there, it sounds like. So that's all I wanted to sell MemberWing. So have a look um, and I'll give you some feedback. I'm playing around with it as well and I'll let you know how it's going on. And it's, uh, it's MemberWing.com if you want to have a look. MemberWing.com. Okay, now just before we um, talk to Kelvin, because uh, I know Kelvin, you've got a couple of things you want to mention. Um, can I just say a big thank you? Last month, um, sorry, let me, let me just backtrack a bit. Uh, for those that, that perhaps didn't listen to last month's um, episode, I'm actually writing a book at the moment. Um, haven't really got a title. It might be called Podcasting Unleashed, but I've yet to decide about that. Basically about podcasting. And I'm looking for some partners to help me basically write the book. So, you know, in return for, for people sort of feeding back on the sort of chapters as they get written, uh, obviously they'll get a free, uh, a complimentary copy of the book. And I've had a great response uh, from last month. Uh, so thank you all to those people who... Um, signed up at the webpage, which is at um, www.wireworldmedia.co.uk slash survey. Um, so thank you very, very much for that. There's still, you know, if people want to, if new people want to come on board, that's that's still fine. And I am writing the book. I'm writing the first chapter at the moment. And for those that have signed up, um, that will be on its way for you to take a look at and, and feedback on. But I've had some terrific feedback on the um, the chapter list and I've implemented some of the uh, suggestions. So thanks a lot for that. Now, Kelvin. Yeah. Um, SEO tools. You got some Yeah, yeah, there was SEO tools. Yeah, you? there was there was two things I wanted to talk about um yeah, today. One of them was just it's a bit basic, but when I was listening to um Helen's interview that she was doing with Neil Cross which is all about branding, um it just reminded in my mind four tools that Google have which are really great if anyone's thinking about online branding. So none of these probably you won't have heard of before, but it's just kind of one of those ones where, as I was listening to it, it's kind of reminded me, actually, I need to set that up or that kind of thing. So I thought it would be a good one to share just to um, remind people that these tools are out there. You can use them when thinking about your online branding and just some suggestions and some examples of ones that worked quite well. I mean, 
my favourite tool at the moment is Google Insights, and it's you know not a day goes by where I don't um, you know try and tell everyone in the office something exciting I've discovered on a trend from Google Insights. But if people haven't used Google Insights before, basically it plots search data. Um, you can compare two terms and or various countries. It plots it over time, so you can look at seasonal trends or um, if something has triggered a trend externally. So my favourite one I like to use at the moment is um, I've used it in a few presentations. So apologies to listeners who have been at those presentations. But um, if you type in, you can put in search terms. So you can say, okay, well, has podcasting getting more or less popular, or is social media doing and that kind of thing. But my favourite one is to use it for branding to put in two brand names and see who's searching for them more so that ignores the traffic that they get at the site that they might buy via banner advertising or pay-per-click it just shows who is aware of this company and searching for them on google so um two that i always put in which are quite good is um they're uk companies so for the you know the aussies and the guys in the states and the various people all over the world they might not have heard of these two companies but one is um gocompare.com and the other one is compare the market and these two companies are price comparison engines. So you can type in, okay, I'm looking to get new car insurance or house insurance or any of those kind of things. And you put in your details. They then search off for all the ones which are available and tell you which one's the best value. Um, and they both spend a lot on television advertising. But the Go Compare, um, sorry, not Go Compare, they're another company again. Um, the Compare the Market um, launched earlier this year, about January, a very popular advertising campaign but it was also kind of a social media campaign as well around compare the meerkat um which if, if yeah, it's a brilliant advert and you're gonna hear why Andy's laughing there it's kind of the, the whole idea is this russian for some reason meerkat um is getting very um, annoyed because his website compare the meerkat.com is getting all the traffic that should have been for compare the market and they, they they've done lots of things like the adverts are really funny he's got facebook profiles he's on twitter it's it's it's, it's kind of a really good example of an integrated you know, advertising and marketing campaign. But if you put both those brands in, um, it's really interesting that literally as soon as that um, campaign started, the search traffic for Compare the Market shot up and it overtake to go compare. And they've kind of leveled out a bit more now. But um, it's quite interesting to show how social media and advertising can work together to, you know, get you a big share of the market and measure your branding. But if you're What's interesting about that, though, is that if you're kind of, okay, I'm from company X and I know company Y have just spent a load of money on TV advertising, did it work for them? You can kind of look at these things to make a judgment there as well. So definitely worth looking at from that one. So that's Google Insights. Um, Again, just Google's AdWord keyword tool is good for this kind of thing when you're starting out. So it's like, okay, if you've got to decide, is your brand more popular than your competitor so if you put in both your names into those ones and it tells you what the numbers are for those that can be really good to see who's winning the branding more from that perspective and that can help inform what you're doing as well so if they're doing you know loads of banner advertising and you're not because you don't think it works um, but then they're getting loads more people aware and aware of them and searching for them you know maybe that's something you want to do as well so google um adwords keyword tool there two more um more alert ones, so kind of a brand monitoring and um, management is Google Alerts. Um, so what all that does is every time the keyword you put in is mentioned, um, it sends you an email. It's been around for years and years and years, and I know we've mentioned it on the podcast tons and tons of times. But if anyone listening hasn't got their own name and the name of their company set up as Google Alerts, you know they should pause the podcast, come back in a minute, um, and then set those alerts up now because it's it really is amazing what you can find out about what people are saying about you and what people think of you just by doing that. So it sends you an email. You can set the email 
podcasts come daily if you get mentioned often enough to be daily or compile them into weekly or I think even monthly as well. But that's worth looking at there as well. And the other thing as well, final one is um, Google News. If you type in any keyword to Google News, you can get an RSS feed of those search results, as it were. So say you know, Andy's writing his book about podcasting there. So he really wants to know if anyone else is going to launch a podcasting book, say. So Andy can put into Google News podcast book. And at the bottom of there, there's a little RSS feed you can get set up and you can bung that into Google Reader or um, or any any of the RSS feeders you might be using in Safari or in Outlook or, you know, any of the ones you're using. And it will tell you each time there's a new story that contains those words in. So that's quite good from a branding perspective because you can put brand name of you, brand name of your competitor, your main industry term, names of people that work at your company, names of people who work at other companies, and it gives you kind of stuff to respond to there from that perspective. So, yeah, definitely four tools that I'm sure everyone listens will have heard about, but, you know, are they using them as much as they could be? I mean, I, I know that um, I think Daniel uses um, Google Alerts a lot as well. It's Those kind of tools are just really p- powerful and useful, aren't they, Daniel? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um uh, so I might get to cut off now. I've been cut off for the last five minutes. I may just come back online. So I didn't oh, sorry. It's you okay, Daniel. You, 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 should have, you should have not mentioned it because I sort of very professionally brought you back <laughs> in, in the background. <laughs> I've just ruined the whole thing. I get to edit no, it's all okay, this. Okay. We'll leave it in because it's quite amusing. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> just saying about Google Alerts and um, how much you're using them, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just saying that they're really, although they're old fashioned and although they're not that high tech anymore, they're still really powerful and people should be, you know, should have their names set up, should have their company set up and all those kind of things. It's a a fantastic brand monitoring tool. I mean, it is. I agree. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many things you can do with it as well. And I think just literally monitoring brand names, but also product names, people within the company, all those different things. Competitors. competitors. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it is so useful, and it's such a cost-effective way of doing things, and it does give you some good insights. You know, I've got a question, and I've got, well, I've got two questions. I've got a question and a comment. The question first, does anyone know exactly how Google Alerts works? What, what event happens that triggers, triggers a Google Alert? Is it somebody searching for that phrase or something else? I no, think I mean, it's, it's just as it's spiders, isn't it? And it, they have a list of whenever a new page goes into the index, it presumably goes through the checklist of everyone's Google Alerts and then when sends indexed. an email out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's essentially, yeah, it's look, and they also look at um, blog content and news sites and things like that as well. So it is just looking at what's being spied or what's new and then or what's moved position significantly, I've also noticed as well. So if you um, something about a company changes and it suddenly gets a huge kind of impact on rankings, that tends to get mentioned in Google Alerts as well. The other thing that, um, that you mentioned, Kelvin, just now is um, yep. this whole idea of an integrated approach, which I love. So you know, the, the, uh, compare the Meerkat thing. He yep. had a, a Facebook profile. I think he had a Twitter account as well, didn't he? Yep. Obviously, he has the TV. Do, do you, do you or, or Dan see much of that happening in the marketplace right now? I mean, it, increasingly, people are taking a couple of different uh, techniques or methods and getting them to work together. I mean, there's not huge numbers of where everyone gets everything right full time because that you know requires a lot of money as it were what's interesting is the ones that seem to have worked so well so well and when you get these case studies of yeah this youtube video did really well it's kind of tending to come from where you've got a really interesting ad creative idea which then the various other you know, stakeholders, you know, the internet marketers, the, you know, the people who are doing search engine marketing, the people who are doing pay-per-click, they're all working together as it were. And I think that's the trick really is that you need, if you're a small company, you need everyone who's involved in your marketing to sit down together. But if you, you're working with agencies particularly, if your agencies aren't talking to each other, 
you're not going to get that kind of success because everyone's going to be working in their own particular corner and you're going to get some good results, but you're never going to get the same as you could as if everyone was kind of pulling in the same direction, really. I mean, I think there's not been as many as there could have been, but it's still early days, isn't it, you know, in terms of these yeah. things. So I think, you you know, whereas before it was kind of everyone used the same example and that was the only one that came about that year, but you're getting like every month, a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's something that's really impressive that you know, we people like us can use as examples. And the more examples of those are shown, more that are being attempted. Not all of them are going to work because not every marketing campaign does, but you know, more and more people are trying them. So that, you know, that can only be good news. Yeah, I think it's this thing of just the, the way it seems to work well is that someone comes out of a creative concept that people really kind of like, but then the other marketing channels are used to latch onto that. So they can leverage that impact the creative has, but also then try and get interaction with people on a longer term basis. So by using a kind of TV spot or a radio spot or an online banner ad that's really well produced in order to get people to follow you on Twitter or to become a member of a Facebook yeah. group like that, because then you've got a longer lasting kind of uh, relationship with somebody that you can leverage and you can kind of yeah. uh, you can build it from there. Yeah, a good way to describe it, I think, and the creative fits in this is quite well, is there's a guy called Hugh McLeod, who you, a few of you might know, who do, his whole thing is he started out doing cartoons about the internet on the back of people's business cards, as it were. But he's done lots of work for lots of people and various things and that. But one concept he's stolen from someone else, but uses quite a lot, well, not stolen, but been inspired by and used quite a lot, is the concept of a social object, right? And that is something that people can talk about and the advert can be that social object um, or it could be something else as it were you know he talks a lot about kind of he works for a wine company and they sponsor um, lots of you know kind of geek meetups as it were because the idea is that they've then got that bottle of wine there which is kind of personalized to that event it's something they talk about and therefore it's more interesting and i think with these adverts like the compare the meerkat that was a social object because it you you want it was funny you wanted to share it you would talk about it you know when we were mentioning what we were going to do on the show before we started recording we were all doing the impressions of the you know the you know the simples and the, you know it's not don't even sound andy can do them very well with a good accent it don't even sound i'm not going to do it it's just too embarrassing <laughs> um but yeah so it's kind of thinking about when you create something you know it's got to be a social object and then you can use all the other channels to 
encourage people to share that social object well this is this was always the thing with viral marketing the viral marketing you know it spread really quickly people fought it onto each other but how did you actually get the user to take an action at the end of it because normally if one of us is watching a funny video we'd actually do anything we're not going to go and buy a product at that point but if you can use that viral marketing to then latch into people in the longer term by getting them to follow you on twitter by getting them to join that facebook group then you've got the ability to turn that into something that's a bit more of a commercial relationship um, and of course you're building the brand, but also you can convert that into a real action at the end of the day as well. Interesting stuff indeed. Oh. I think we better move on because we're at, um, I know we're not really at 40 minutes because we spent five minutes just chatting before we press the record button, but it's at least 30 minutes. Okay, let's, brilliant. Um, let's move on to that interview. Um, it's, it's, it's Helen interviewing uh, Neil Croft. Tell us a little bit about uh, Neil Croft and the interview and then we'll, we'll head straight into it, uh, Kelvin. Okay, yeah, well, Neil Cross is an author and consultant um, who works in lots of different areas. But one thing that's re- the main buzzword and the main thing that he kind of builds his whole, his whole operation around is the kind of word authentic. So he's very keen on authentic businesses and how you need to get to the essence of what a company's about before you can do any marketing, any kind of sales or promotion or that kind of thing. Um, and what Helen talks to Neil about is about how that kind of – essence um can you how you find that essence but how you can communicate that um via social media and he talks about some examples of companies that uh, when they are authentic are more efficient as it were so he talks about some companies that um spend less on advertising than other companies but because their advertising is more effective because they know what they're saying you know they they perform better as a consequence of that so yeah that's kind of the, some of the topics he's talking about there and it kind of follows on quite nicely from some of those um tools that you can use to measure how good your brand's doing fantastic well we'll move straight on to that into the next segment let's say goodbye now because i know that um the show will end immediately after the interview so kelvin newman thank you very very much for joining us and uh, and dan rouse look forward to seeing all of you again dan thank you very much good to be back ta-ta for now as i say and here's that interview with helen all the best enjoy So here's Helen Trendle interviewing Neil Crofts. And the first question she asked Neil was to explain what he does. I think the easiest way to explain it is to say that I help businesses to create conscious brands um, that are based on who they truly are. Uh, So all of my work really is about helping individuals and businesses understand who they truly are and be it without fear or compromise in all situations. Uh, and specifically to do that in, in a way that uh, makes a living, either for individuals or for businesses. So you sort of summarise that as uh, authenticity? Yes, uh, authenticity is, is, as an individual, authenticity is about knowing who you are and being it without fear or compromise in all situations. And for a business, it's about um, generating profit through the pursuit of a profound and positive purpose. Uh, so it, it's, and the two, of course, are very closely re- related because in business, uh, the authenticity of the business is very closely related to the authenticity of the individuals within it. So, I mean, what, what can a business really achieve by sort of um, taking on board the, the sort of principle of authenticity? Um, my, my research indicates that uh, authentic businesses spend up to 80% less 
on motivating people than conventional businesses. Um, and that, that goes for both internal motivation of staff and motivation of customers to buy products. One of my favorite statistics uh, was interviewing uh, Yo Valley, the, um, the dairy and yogurt company. And uh, it turned out that at the time that I interviewed them, uh, they had a 6% share of the UK yogurt market uh, and spent around £750,000 a year on marketing. And uh, Muller were their chief uh, or the, the market leader, and they had 36% of the UK yogurt market and spent about £40 million a year on marketing. So... Uh, they spent about uh, 50 times as much money to sell six times as much product. Wow. Uh, and that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, I mean, other, other examples um, are average sick days in the UK are about 0.3 days, sorry, are three days per person per year. Uh, amongst the authentic businesses that I interviewed, it was more like 0.3. And then, I mean, at the time when I did the research, there were some interesting examples, like I think the, the uh, British Airways had 17 sick days per person per year, and the Royal Mail was um, 31. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, this... this the, the, the point is that because people are passionate about the outcome that the business achieves, uh, they are more engaged and more motivated by the business. And, and that goes for customers as well as for staff. Mm. So, I mean, a lot of our listeners are internet marketers. How can yeah. authenticity be translated online? Well, the, I mean, the, the, the tricky, of course, I mean, I, I think most marketers would recognize this anyway, but, but none of this is, happens in isolation. So the, the real point here is about engagement. And I think the, the Internet aspect of it is, or the beginning of the Internet aspect of it, perhaps, is that the Internet means transparency. So if, as a business, you have been... Um, you've been pretending to be something that you're not, uh, the internet will expose that. Mm. So there's a, there's a, a downside to inauthenticity, if you like. In terms of how authenticity plays out over the internet, um, the internet is uh, partly at least another communication uh, medium. And so therefore, it's another opportunity to demonstrate authenticity and to communicate authenticity. So I think that uh, the way that authentic businesses can use the internet is by expo being more exposed, you know, you know, opening up, being more transparent and having a closer engagement and participation with their customers. So I guess with um, the, the sort of meteoric rise of social networking, that fits very well with being an authentic business because it gives you a very transparent and instant way of communicating with your customers. Yes. Uh, yes, as long as you're not manipulating anyone. 
and I think this is you know this is the key point is that the it, you have to go back to you have to go back to the culture. So uh, the, the conventional model of branding was that um, someone somewhere uh, decided what what a brand was going to be, and they said, you know, these are the attributes that our brand has, and then they probably told the staff, and they expected the staff to align with that brand. Well, actually, that model never worked, um, but it didn't particularly matter because the business wasn't all that transparent anyway. Mm. Um, what happens now is that businesses are, by definition, um, porous. Uh, information seeps out all over the place, and, and you can't really stop it. Uh, and the nature of a brand is, the reality of a brand is that it is how the brand is experienced by people, by people, and both outside and inside the business. So, you know, if if a company is passionate and has great integrity and is caring and loving of its in terms of its culture, then then that is also how it will be experienced outside the company as a brand. Um, if a company is uh, if the culture of a company is uh, is fearful and intimidating and nervous, then whatever the brand book says, that is the reality of the brand. And so if you're marketing online, you, you need to go back to the culture first. Uh, you need to understand that culture. And, and if the culture is uh, not what you would want to communicate, then, then there's some work to be done to adjust the culture uh, and and to and to adjust the brand until they are what you want to communicate. Mm, sure. Uh, and of course, and of course, you know. So the, I think some of the most successful ways in which companies have used social networking is 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 by using it for you know genuine interaction between staff and people outside the business. But of course, that needs to be done. You know, if it's to be done positive, it, it, positively, if it's to work, it needs the, the the people within the business who are doing the communicating need to be completely passionate and aligned with the brand. And that's not something that you can fake. Mm, so, really, what you're saying is you need to kind of invest in your sort of internal um, sort of staff as well as your sort of external customers if you're going to engage with social media. I think so, and I, I think so, and I think if you, if you, you know, it, of course, it may be that you've, you know, you've already got that. You've already got a totally passionate team who are, who are, are you know, are, are really passionate about the outcome that your company achieves. In which case, you know, that's great. You can start opening up and sharing all that stuff. Um, but if you, if you do it without, uh, and and the culture that you're exposing more of is uh, you know is not what you would like to be communicating then then you're going to you're, you're going to it's going to be counterproductive mm, so kind of hold on there if the culture's not there in the in the first place and, and maybe come back to that 
later. Yes, yes, because, because you know, I mean, to some extent the transparency exists already, of course, but if you're, if you're opening up further, uh, then it's not necessarily going to achieve the goals that you're looking for mm. if you don't have the right culture. So as, with sort of brands aside, um, social networking is, um, is happening more and more and people are engaging across all types of different um, types of culture. How do you see that impacting society uh, on a sort of larger scale in both the short and long term? I think it's, uh, I think it's quite difficult to say. I mean, I think at the moment... A lot of what goes on with social networking is is fairly trivial and uh, is not is not sort of materially changing things. I think that when people perhaps get a bit more used to it uh, and start to find more sophisticated uses for social networking, then then it'll it'll start to uh, facilitate communication. I mean, you know, if you if you look at the challenges that we face as a society, I think there are there are probably two key ones, which are about people's self confidence or insecurity, and about people's ability to communicate with one another. I think that what what social networking can do is to facilitate communication, um, but I think that. To some extent, the technology, but also the the way in which people use it, needs to become more sophisticated for that to happen. So, how do you maybe see, um, you know, sort of stepping into the future? But if you like, how would you see it uh, maybe developing to enable um, the, the the power of communication to really help to to change society? I think I think the the bit that I would like to add to social networking. Is, is a more sort of proactive matchmaking facility. Um, at the moment, finding people is, uh, I suppose it's a bit, it's a bit like um, surfing almost. You know, you, you, you kind of follow a particular path and you, you might bump into people along the way. Um, what would be more proactive would be to say, here's your profile who are other people, more like a sort of dating system, uh, who are other people who match that profile who might be interesting from a number of different perspectives. Uh, so, you know, perhaps for relationships, perhaps just for friendships, perhaps as colleagues or collaborators. And of course that happens with things like um, special interest groups. Um, but I think it, there could be a more sort of proactive way of doing it as well. So who are the brands that you think are the ones to watch um, in terms of social media and authenticity that are maybe using um, the internet as they should be and, and getting their message out there? Um, I, think, I think that probably some of the technology companies, not surprisingly, do it best. Uh, I think probably of anyone, I think Apple use their own systems extremely well. So the, the way that they do uh, online support uh, is extremely effective. Ironically, I don't think Google do it as well as Apple do. And then beyond those tech brands, I'm not sure that 
I particularly, I, th- I think there's such a long way to go in internet marketing. I, I don't think, I don't think it's really being used to its full potential yet at all. Uh, because where we really need to get to is a situation, or, or the, the, the opportunity is to get to a situation where where part marketing moves away from being pollution uh, to being a value add. Mm. And I think, I think a lot of, I mean, historically, of course, an enormous amount of marketing has, has been largely pollution. Um, and I think on, online the opportunity exists to move entirely away from pollution-based marketing. Uh, but it hasn't been reached yet. Do you think things um, are changing? Yes, I think so. I, I, mean, I, I think it's a mindset thing, first of all, because I think there's, a, there's, a, there's still a mindset in marketing that the way to win customers is to get in their way. And, and I think that the shift that needs to take place, and, they, and it is. I mean, if you look at companies like Threadless, I, and I think their their online marketing is genius. What they do is, um, are you familiar with Threadless? They're a t-shirt company in the States. All right. And they, um, what they do is they, they basically have an ongoing competition for the design of t-shirts. And the way it works is that anyone can submit a design for a t-shirt and then the way that they get it printed is by getting votes uh, for their T-shirt. So whoever submits a design for a T-shirt, it's very much in their interest to canvas everyone they know to vote for their design. Mm. So you get, you get um, viral marketing by people promoter, in promoting their design uh, and then, of course, you you do your um, you're also doing all your market research uh, because people are telling you which designs they like and which they might buy. And so you have this extraordinary situation where you know in the in the more conventional world, I don't suppose people get paid very much for designing a t-shirt. You know, if you if you went to I don't know whoever designs t-shirts for for Gap or someone like that, I don't suppose they're paid very much at all. Um, whereas Threadless pay their T-shirt designers, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a design because of the way the system works. So I think that opportunity of marketing as part of the value add uh, is 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 really where where we need to be going, and that well, that's where the opportunity lies anyway. Excellent. So collaboration. Uh, um, it, yes, it is collaboration. It's it, it, perhaps further than that. It's it's really involvement. Um, you know, the the what the internet does is it means that the boundaries between inside and outside become blurry. Mm. Uh, between employee and customer become blurry, and uh, you know, I think a lot of traditional companies resist that and I, one of the things that fascinates me is how car manufacturers have so abjectly failed to use the internet you know they, they, they still in, at least as far as I can tell they still insist largely on brochureware um, when there's so much service they could add for customers 
I mean, even even silly things like you know booking servicing or uh, you know um, all sorts of product management and uh, you know I mean having a, a a web page for your car, which is your service book, um, which is then transferred when you sell the car. You know things like that, which in other areas would be completely obvious, seem to have bypassed the motor industry. Mm. And, I, and so I think that, you know all of that sort of stuff where you're really involving customers in the process uh, and and regarding them as 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 part of the business rather than in this sort of dualistic way that that many companies have of of inside and outside. Mm. So it's really involving the employees and the customers as part of the business um, is is yeah. a way of really sort of taking it to the next sort of level of opportunity. Yeah, there was an example I read recently. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, um, but it was a it was a tech company, and and basically they had one of their engineers had started blogging, or, you know, just privately. But he was blogging about his work, and it just had, you know, it got such an incredible following that that you know it, ultimately it was brought into the business. But it, you know, if you if you think about um, I don't know uh, a bank or something, you know, imagine the effect of having the the chief economist of a bank um, blogging about you know how how they saw things and involving customers in that process rather than you know trying to keep everything secret and or and and, and keeping customers on the outside. Mm. Or, or indeed, you know, and car designers and engineers blogging about their next car design, or or whatever it is, you know, just being more open and involving. Definitely heresy, heresy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's been fantastic speaking to you, Neil. Um, but before you go, I just wanted to ask you a quick question, which was, how do you find the inspiration for your weekly inspiration emails? <laughs> um, I get asked that question quite a lot. Uh, it, it has become a lot easier, um, I think, with practice. Uh, I, it, it, but the, the inspiration, the answer is that the inspiration comes from something that has happened in the previous week. So, uh, you know, I'll, I will, uh, I'm typically, you know, coaching or I'm consulting with, with uh, a business or whatever it is, and a topic comes up. Uh, which seems which seems interesting, and uh, you know I'm I'm confronted with a challenge, and I have to find some kind of answer to that challenge for the client, uh, and and the inspiration mails are usually some kind of uh, you know, when I've had a moment to, when I've had a little bit of time to reflect on on what happened or on that conversation, I have the uh, uh, that that's what I what I I come out with on a Monday morning, um, and I do usually write them on a Monday morning. Uh, it's pretty rare that I write them at another time. Well, thanks so much for for speaking to us today, and we look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you very much indeed. Lovely to talk to you.
Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management categories or you can find us at FeedBurner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.